Race matters. 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 to acknowledge that we are broadcasting right now from unceded Gadigal land. This land has been in the hands of generations of Gadigal custodians for thousands of years before us and it will continue to be in their hands long after us. It's a meeting place for sharing knowledge, stories and song and we are privileged to be part of that storytelling today and every day here at FBI Radio. I pay my respects to Gadigal elders past and present. We're broadcasting from Redfern right now. This is the birthplace of black theatre in this country and a site for resistance and resilience for First Nations peoples. You're listening to Race Matters, a show made by people of colour, speaking with people of colour about the ways we understand and value our racial identities. I'm Tanya Ali. And I'm Sharika Hallelujah. You're hearing some slightly different voices today because we're doing something kind of different this morning. Honestly, it's been really challenging to pull things together for this week's show. We've lost someone dear to us, and this loss has rippled through a lot of our communities. Nothing else has felt right this week or just felt really insignificant in comparison to the overwhelming feelings of confusion and sadness. So we wanted to use this space to offer solace and courage to process loss and the many ways grief can transform our lives. Today we're going to be bringing you a part interview, part offering. Later on the show, we are so grateful to be joined by Gabriella Georges, an artist and creative grief guide. We're going to be chatting to her about creating brave and creative spaces to process loss and the many ways as people of colour we honour and mourn. We are joined on the line by Gabriella Georges, writer, facilitator, musician, and creative grief guide. Gabriella, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me today. It's not often you meet someone who is a creative grief guide. Um, are you able to start by briefly telling us about your journey into this work? Yeah, sure. Um, so I guess it all it all started when... Um, well, yeah, to go back to the beginning, it started um, when I lost my mom at um, when I was 20. And it took me a number of years, like, of just being, being really uh, lonely and isolated um, before I actually sort of started doing any work in this space. But um, I, I myself found that, like, writing um, poetry and songs was a way for me to process and um, to to explore my, my grief and to be, you know, sort of honest and, and to be able to um, kind of share what I was experiencing and to make meaning out of it. And so eventually I, um, I started performing my work and then through that, like I discovered that other people were actually experiencing similar things. So I would, you know, perform um, some, a poetry of, my, a, you know, if I would perform my own poetry and then people later on would come up to me and tell me that, 
um, they could relate and they would start telling me about their stories of, of who they've lost and um, what they've sort of been going through. And that was a really kind of profound um, sort of just epiphany for me that like, actually I wasn't alone. It's just that people don't really speak about these things. And so through performing, I discovered that like people were also grieving in their own ways. And um, then eventually I decided to start um, community events and that led to the grief cocoon and doing creative workshops um, to allow other people to actually process and explore their grief in creative ways so kind of yeah so going from sharing these performances and creating a small kind of I guess like collection of people and communities around you you then founded the grief cocoon which you briefly started to tell us about um through your work why is it important to create these vulnerable spaces for people to share well just simply because there aren't enough spaces to to just to to talk about and, and have conversations about grief and loss and you know the thing is like everybody is is going to experience a loss or has experienced a loss and is grieving um it's a universal experience and so it's just sort of i, I found it you know when you think about it like it's quite weird that there it, it isn't normalized and talked about and so for me it's important because like you know grief affects us really like can be very um have a really significant impact on our on our health on our lives on on our relationships and so without having spaces to to actually process our experiences and to share our stories with other people and and connect with others it's really hard to actually sort of work through them and and live with grief you know because i i, I know that grief doesn't disappear you know we can try and suppress it but it's it's going to come up in in other ways and sometimes unhealthy ways you know they can be we can be self-destructive when we try and kind of um, push it down and don't give it space and time to be and to to be expressed so I really believe that like there needs to be more spaces and I guess for me I'm finding my own way to my own kind of contribution to that um hopefully change in normalizing grief and speaking about it more openly. Um, yeah, through, through creative um, means. Totally. O on that, you are a prolific poet and a musician. How have you shared your art practice to help others find, you know, that language to honor their grief? Yeah. So I've, I've done it through um, performing, which I've mentioned like, performing my own poems and songs and yeah a lot of them are about my mom and um, or my grandma and even even about my 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 mom's mom who I never got to meet you know like I think we grieve sometimes we don't even know I guess the what we're grieving and and it's even people that we have never met before we can even grieve not being able to to have met them um, and so through through performing mainly, but also through writing and um, publishing, publishing work, um, those are the main things, but also, I guess, through workshops and, and 
community events. Like I used to, when I first started run open mic events. Um, and that was just simply like a place where people could come and share their creative work that they've written about their grief and loss, you know, so a few different ways, but yeah, mainly uh, performing, publishing and, and then community events and workshops. Mm. Yeah. I, and, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, uh, just to add to that, in terms of like finding language, I think the way seeing other people find language for their grief um, helps you find language for your grief. So I think simply by putting into words like what I've found in my experience and what what I've learned and, and who I'm who I've lost, like I think just simply sharing that can help other people start to think about how they might honor the person they've lost and how they might put into words what what they've experienced. Mm, yeah, I've often found in my own processing that I found so much comfort through even just the writing and poetry of strangers and knowing like hearing about who they've lost, who I have no connection to, but has had such a profound impact on how I have been processing. Um, and mm -hmm. something that I've also found really helpful is like, I guess the opportunity to literally be around people sometimes when words fail us. Um, so I wanted to also ask about the embodiment of grief um, and how it shows up in our bodies in different ways or just when it can be just really hard to put words to feelings. Um, in your work, what practices have you found um, that invite our bodies to feel overwhelmed and to feel all the feelings? Mm, yeah, so just like, yeah, with, with grief, you know, it can manifest in so many different ways and it can come out, you know, in, in our body and um, that could be like, could be migraines it could be just exhaustion and tiredness um, it could be physical aches and all the things that you know you might experience from just feeling sort of heavy emotions that, that could come out in your in our body and I guess in terms of like um, my work and and feeling overwhelmed I think when it's when we don't have any any tools or any kind of coping strategies in response to the emotions that we can feel like we're drowning in them and we can feel very um, overwhelmed by them. So I had to do a lot of reading and research because I had no idea, like I, no one had ever talked to me about the possibilities of, of you know, losing my mom and what that would be like. And so I kind of went into this rabbit hole of just like reading all the books I could find about grief and and just trying to like get a get an actual like understanding or even of the theory you know like I know it's theory is not the same as practice but I sort of just developing some understanding of, of grief um, at that level helped me start to realize like okay this is sort of what what can happen or what you can experience in grief and and even yeah like reading other people's work you know poems and things like that gives gave me a sense of comfort and so I could start to 
put put it into context like what i was going through that okay th this is not a like a a unique experience it, it, you everyone has a unique experience but it's also part of a universal experience and so like even that can can give you some sort of like comfort and solace knowing that actually other people have, are experiencing this and it's it's actually normal you know like grief is a normal response to loss and it's a part of life because in life we we experience losses people and everybody eventually dies and that's the reality of being human you know um it doesn't make it any easier but it just sort of like lets you know that okay this is something that's going to come up and it's something that other people have been able to to live with and these are some tools i can use or some ways that i can learn to to cope with grief yeah it's that like very um i guess important part of you know reminding people even in i feel like grief can be quite a lonely feeling or experience but yeah remembering that you are not alone and you know your work does that uh, creates this invitation for people to mourn and grieve and feel those feelings Gabriella, how can we create these brave spaces for each other, especially when, as we've been talking about, these conversations and even, you know, uh, moving through the motions to actually feel and experience the grief can be really daunting and feel quite heavy? That's a really good question. Um, and the thing that comes up for me is, like, we create those brave spaces by starting to be brave ourselves and and finding some courage to actually be vulnerable and and you know you need to know i guess who you can be vulnerable with um because because grief is something that like people makes people uncomfortable um sometimes being vulnerable and and talking about it doesn't get the response that you would hope so i think knowing you know, maybe it's someone else that's also experienced the, who has a connection with the person that you've lost or um, it's a trusted friend or family member that you know will hold that space for you. But I think simply by just maybe, you know, if you want to talk about it or tell a story about the person, you know, you've had maybe something that that has reminded you of, of them, like a, a colour or a an experience or a situation that kind of brings up memories then you know if you have somebody that you can say oh you know today this morning this weird thing happened and it reminded me of this person of you know whoever it is um and and hopefully that will allow space for them to also um be brave and and continue that conversation or maybe then talk to someone else about it as well so I think it just starts in those in those moments where we we find the courage to actually to, to be brave ourselves and and talk with um, people about it.
Gabriella, a lot of your recent work has been facilitating spaces by and for people of colour. Are there ways we experience grief differently? I think when, in terms of like talking about people of colour, and I know that in my own experience, there's there's sort of some added layers of um, just expectations and cultural norms, customs and, and the traditions that might exist in our in our communities or in our families and so we kind of have to navigate those as along with our own personal response to the loss and and to our own grief and and sometimes like those traditions and those norms are not that we we might not connect with them and so we kind of have to find our own way and I know like even when after my mom died like there was expectations about how, how grieving looks like and I and people were worried you know about me particularly because I wasn't crying a lot and and it was expected that you know when when someone dies you need to be expressive you know you need to be kind of loud about it and and that's sort of the the norm in in my culture to be kind of visibly visibly kind of grieving and mourning and and because I didn't fit in with that um I kind of got a bit of judgment and and some kind of um yeah there was I was worrying people and and so I think that's sort of something that people of color need to sort of deal with um that might not happen with other people. So it's just that those added layers within our cultures and traditions, because ultimately like grief is a very personal experience, but then we're also part of those communities that might have their own expectations and um, customs around what that's supposed to look like. How do you help people explore, you know, those layers and the intersections of their identities while they are coming to terms with grief and loss? Well, usually when I facilitate workshops, I always sort of have prompts and I'm not prescriptive about, you know, how they're supposed to kind of approach the prompts or express their grief it's there's always room for them to approach the exercises in their own ways and and the way that they do that is informed by the the intersections that make up their identity so um, I just make sure at the beginning of each session that it's clear that you know there are some guidelines and that you know it's about mutual respect and listening and trying not to judge each other based on, you know, maybe different perspectives or different experiences because grief itself is a very um, personal experience and people don't experience it the same way. And then, so yeah, I think just having, making room for for people to, to, to do things in their own way without telling them how they should do them. And that's one way that people can explore their intersections while they're also exploring their grief. Yeah, I really appreciate the consciousness of how you facilitate and that there is embedded within that an intersectional consciousness and just like allowing and being respectful of like whatever someone wants to do with their own processing. Um, 
kind of um, in the same realm of that. Often in Western and colonial culture, there's this real sense of stoicism and individualism, like we're made to feel Mm. these things in isolation. But I feel like often in queer communities and especially in like queer people of colour communities, when we lose someone, there is a collective consciousness and a collective loss. And as much Mm. as these are really um, individualised and subjective um, experiences of this news, I wonder if you have anything to say about kind of collective healing and grieving um, within marginalised communities. Mm. Yeah, I think it's it's really important like for each community to find their own ways and their own paths towards collective healing and, and grieving. And one of the things that helps, I think, is creating rituals and ceremonies around the loss and and as a way of honoring and acknowledging either the grief or the person that that you've lost that you know the community's lost so that could be you know i mean we're in the 21st century it could even be a digital space where people can just go and whenever they feel like it you know put up a post or a picture or a memory that's come up share a story about that person as a way of kind of keeping their their memories alive and and also sharing that with others that knew them um it could also be like on when you know an anniversary comes around or their birthday it could be a way of you know getting together and actually doing something in memory of that person or cutting a cake and singing happy birthday to them you know like it it could be so many different things and um for people that maybe haven't gone through the you know having lost somebody like it might sound silly but I do really believe in you know maintaining that connection and remembering and finding different ways to connect with that with the person that you've lost and also keeping making sure that you're also honoring the grief as well because it can be yeah it can be very isolating to be grieving on your own and but when you're part of a community you can even you know talk about it with with other members of that community and just decide on on how you want to remember that person how you want to celebrate them or how you want to find make spaces to to grieve together or to acknowledge your grief like it's those kind of rituals are are really important um and it doesn't really matter how long it's been you know like you can do that year after year you know find different ways and and those ways can change so like um rethinking and and re kind of creating those ways to to remember them is really important um because they're they were a part of your life and they can still be a part of your life yeah totally um i think i mean you've kind of touched on this but uh i suppose often in marginalized communities where there's almost always a sense of grief, whether it be the loss of someone we love uh, or, you know, someone in our community or the loss of a homeland or of familiarity. 
how did those, you know, different types of grief, grief that might not be tied to a person as such, but then in ways kind of is, um, how how can we kind of process those or how does that processing differ to, to losing someone? Hmm. Sometimes, yeah, when it's not the loss of a person, it can be a bit more, I guess, abstract in in terms of you know like it might not be a visual thing and but those those losses are just as important and and can affect us just as significantly so i think it's it's really about like trying different things and seeing what works you know it could be for some people like walking in nature or spending time in nature it could be finding a way to to like a physical sort of having a, a symbolic thing that represents um, their connection to the loss and coming back to that thing and and kind of sitting with it for a while like there's there's no one answer I think for for this and I, I personally know that writing writing about um, how you're feeling and and the loss and is a way that you can keep connected to it and um, express that but also finding your community like who are also maybe experiencing the same or similar loss and again figuring out how you want to acknowledge that loss you know especially like it, it could be loss of country loss of land like there are ways to kind of um connect with yeah, just connect with your community and 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 talk about those things or sit with the and it could be just sitting in a room together and 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 reminiscing or 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 even like doing something about it like it could be people can get sort of um there's something called like instrumental where you actually it becomes like the motivation for activism for example like that's one way that you could um process it or actually um it can prompt you into action and so I think like leaning into whatever it is you feel called to do after that loss as a way of you know maybe finding a sense of justice or which you can see in some communities where they become kind of um, driven to really yeah get that justice or or tell their testimonies and that's a really powerful way to to kind of express that loss but also feel empowered in, a, in the same in the same breath mm, I, I feel like a lot of what you've been sharing today um and channeling that grief into an energy for activism but also finding just the plurality of how grief can manifest and how we process it I feel like I'm also hearing that a lot of it is about love like love for the person mm. that you've lost love for country or love for land that has been destroyed or love for broader communities mm -hmm. and I think I've also read that like you know grief is the other side of love as well and mm. I think that that's like been a way that I feel like I see how that shows up in like many of like the smaller communities that mm. I've been part of um and like how we create those rituals or just ways of finding support that are maybe just kind of unconventional or not what mm. you know like our family or ancestors prescribed um just doing yeah. it on our own terms 
Mm. Um, we're coming to the end of our time with you, Gabriella, but before you head off to the rest of your day, um, you've got something you wanted to offer our audiences um, and something that has kind of helped you process in the past? I have a, a poem by Maya Angelou, which is um, a really beautiful poem that speaks to, um, I guess more specifically, like maybe losing someone, um, but it also has a lot of references to nature. So it's called When Great Trees Fall. Um, when great trees fall, rocks on distant hills shudder, lions hunker down in tall grasses and even elephants lumber after safety. When great trees fall in forests, small things recoil into silence, their senses eroded beyond fear. When great souls die, the air around us becomes light, rare, sterile. We breathe briefly, our eyes briefly see with a hurtful clarity. Our memory, suddenly sharpened, examines, gnaws on kind words, unsaid, promised walks never taken. Great souls die and our reality, bound to them, takes leave of us. Our souls, dependent upon their nurture, now shrink, wizened. Our minds, formed and informed by their radiance, fall away. We are not so much maddened as reduced to the unutterable ignorance of dark, cold caves. And when great souls die, after a period, peace blooms, slowly and always, irregularly, Spaces filled with a kind of soothing electric vibration, our senses restored, never to be the same, whispered to us. They existed, they existed, they existed. We can be, be and be better for they existed. Thank you so much again to our guest Gabriella Georges for inviting us into such generous and vulnerable conversations about the many ways in which especially as people of colour we process loss and grief and I wanted to kind of call into the space the many ways as well especially as queer people of colour we honour and say farewell but also celebrate um, the ones that we have lost in our communities and how often when no one else is listening to us, we've carved out our own ways of doing and our own ways of just sharing love and cultivating ritual. Um, I'm reminded of this really incredible queer project that exists overseas called the AIDS Memorial Quilt um, honouring those who have passed from the AIDS endemic. And I think the creation of these multiple quilts speaks to the textures and beauty and the many ways that we weave together our stories. And no matter how much we are kind of cast aside by the world, 
um, we still managed to find ways to bring in, I guess, like radiance and storytelling. And our grief is love. Our grief is justice. Our grief can be angry. Our grief can be confused. Our grief can be quiet. Our grief can be collective. Our grief can be individual. But our grief will always be sacred and important. So wherever this finds you, we hope that it's offered some resonance or comfort for whoever you're holding or have lost in the world. That's all for Race Matters this week. I'm Sharika Halaludin. I'm Tanya Ali. And again, thank you to our guest for today, poet, artist, writer and creative grief worker, Gabriella Georges, for sharing her wisdom and support today. You can listen back to episodes of Race Matters at fbiradio.com slash race matters. We've also put together some resources of support in our show notes. Love and solidarity to everyone grieving today and every day. The stars and silhouettes flew home on the empty Race matters. 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 Race matters.